Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the fastest growing logistics companies with my friend, Trey Griggs. How's it going, Trey? Good, Joe. How are you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. I'm glad to have you on. So I'm excited to talk about this topic, but before we get into that, please introduce yourself and your company. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Trey Griggs, VP of sales at Lean Solutions Group based out of uh, Coral Springs, Florida. We've been in the transportation logistics industry for about nine years, primarily helping companies establish their own satellite office in one of our five beautiful cities in Colombia. We have uh, Cartagena, Barranquilla, Medellin, Bogota, and Bucaramanga. So beautiful facilities down there. And we partner with companies to truly help them uh, grow and uh, manage their team. As I say to a lot of people, we take the headache out of hiring and growing your team. Yes, you do. I can say that because I am one of your customers and I'm That's a right. very happy customer. So we'll be talking more about some of your customers in a minute. But what we'll be talking about in a minute is that the, the, this list just came out of the 5,000 fastest growing companies. Mm-hmm. And on that list was 199 that were logistics companies, which speaks yeah. to the importance of our sector. But before we get into that, let's get into a little bit about you. So Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What kind of kid were you? Oh, goodness. These are deep questions, Joe. So I, I grew up in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, in a little suburb called Raytown, uh, just southeast of downtown Kansas City. You know, I played a lot of sports growing up. I played just about everything. My dad forced me to have a sport every season. My parents were split, so this was his babysitting, was that uh, I had to be in a sport. So I did cross country in the fall, played basketball in the winter, played baseball and golf in the spring. And you know, just kind of grew up a typical kid. I uh, went to college in, in Kansas City at William Jewell College, had a good fortune to play basketball and golf in college, which was pretty fun. Oh, wow. And I also did a lot of broadcasting on the radio, broadcast the football games, broadcast the basketball games once I quit playing for the for the newspaper. I had a column that I wrote. So I had a lot of fun. It was a small school. You know, I, I love doing a lot of things. It really fit into what I did. And I lived there for the first 27 years of my life, pretty much. And then got married in 05, moved to St. Louis. That's where I now reside is out of St. Louis, Missouri. Very nice. Very nice. It's funny. You mentioned your dad made you play sports. When I was a kid, I had to play sports and I, you know, kids can be real shy and I know I was, it's hard to believe with me and my big mouth, but I remember my dad would just come home and go, yeah, you're going to start playing hockey uh, next week. And I go, <laughs> you know, I'm not so sure I want to play hockey. He goes, oh, I didn't ask. <laughs> and, I was like, and then all well, of a sudden I'm playing and I loved it. It's just, you know, you, you give the kid a little yeah. shove. <laughs> It wasn't bad at all. I mean, I didn't like cross country, to be honest, but I, w- I was 4'10 my freshman year, 50, 92 pounds, 4 feet 10 inches tall. So football was out of the equation and I never played <laughs> soccer. I wasn't very skilled with soccer. So that really left cross country and um, it was good. I mean, I, I enjoyed the races. Those were, I'm a competitive uh, person. So the races were fun. The practice was pretty brutal, but it was all good. It worked out well. Oh yeah. That's, and it's funny because I remember one thing my parents would always say, it's it, you're never going to play you're not going to grow to be six foot six. You're not going to play pro football. You're not going to play a professional hockey player. You're not going to play water polo, swimming, everything. We had to play everything. Baseball was never going to be a pro. They always said, you're not going to be a pro, but you're going to learn to play. You're going to learn yeah. to to work on a team, learn to win, <laughs> learn to lose. It was good lessons. And I, yeah. I say this all the time. I think I learned as much playing sports as I did in the classroom sometimes. Just oh, because you work with teams. 
Yeah, without a doubt. I think the skills, the, the transferable skills, you probably have more of those, you know, in the gym than you do in the, in the, in the classroom. Other classrooms not important, but I think there's a lot of life skills you just can't get when you're, when you're doing calculus. Right. And I always say this is, you know, I go to the gym and nobody's chasing me around and calling me cream puff. Like when I was playing <laughs> sports, the last hard workout I had was when there's a coach chasing me and calling me names. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. That's true. My coach used a paddle. Um, it's a pretty funny story. So he, he had a wooden racquetball paddle. And at the end of every practice, we had the basketball practice. We had to uh, step in line for a free throw one-on-one or one-on-one. If we made the first one and missed the second, we got one swat, had to go back in line. If we missed the first, oh. we got two swats, had to go back in line. We only got to leave practice when we made two, but I'll tell you what, we were good free throw shooters. We didn't miss a lot. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I'll stay after practice and shoot a few. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Took it very seriously. It was fun. It was good. We learned a lot. So that that would be abuse today, by the way. So Well, he eventually got fired for that once media got involved, but he was there for 40 some years, the winningest coach. He won over 900 basketball games. His name is Bud Lather. It passed away a few years ago. A tremendous man. Uh, was really a father figure to me, but and it was more of it was more jest. It was kind of fun. We laughed at each other. You know, it was, it was something we we uh, we gave each other a lot of crap about. But we were good free throw shooters. It definitely worked. So <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, we are working under pressure. Anytime you're shooting a free throw, it's under pressure too. So yeah. So tell us yeah. a little bit about your career tra- tra- trajectory. I know mean, I shouldn't have tried to say that. <laughs> no, that's all right. My my career trajectory has been crazy. I I started. I tried my hand at, at golf, being a golf pro. Uh, didn't like the business of golf. Eventually, got found myself back into education and coaching, which I thought is what I wanted to do. So I was a high school physics teacher for three years, and I coached all the sports. I was single, so I was coaching softball and uh, basketball and baseball and golf, and I uh, enjoyed that. And then um, went into youth ministry for a couple of years, thought that's what I wanted to do, but then realized that youth pastors don't actually get to see kids very much because they're at school all day with the teachers. So I actually went back into teaching. I did that for three more years, taught middle school math and science, and did a little youth ministry on the side. And that's when we started having a family, started having our, our kids and realizing that one teacher income was probably not going to get it done. My wife retired from teaching at that point, and I either had to make the choice of becoming a principal. That's the only way to really you know, make money in education or get out of education altogether. It was a very tough decision because I love teaching. It's my favorite thing. It's to this day, teaching physics in high school is my favorite job. But we made the decision to get out. I had a friend um, at church who said, hey, I think you would I think you'd do well in sales. And my first gut reaction was no chance. Because I was thinking of like a used car salesman. That's the only right. perspective that I had of sales. When you're in ministry or when you're in education, you don't think about revenue. You don't think about profit loss. You don't think about sales. Right. So when my friend was like, no, no, no. Hey, listen, every business has to have sales or else it doesn't have a business. And he started t- teaching me about it, kind of the the you know the the, the quick course on, on sales. I went, ah, oh, okay, that makes sense now. Started to kind of you know figure it out. And so I transitioned to sales. It was very difficult. The only job that I could find, because I mean, I'm entry level, I'm, I have no experience. So I'm 32 years old. I have a master's degree in education on entry level sales. So the only job that I could get was selling office supplies for Quill, going door to door, business to business. Yeah, I've had those Portland, people come Oregon. to my office. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I was one of those Quill guys that would pop in and it was a high pressure sale. Hey, I'm, I'm here today. I can save you 20% off those toners. Let's go ahead and knock it out. What else do you need? And, it, you know, I learned a lot. You learn how to talk to just about everybody. I remember closing a dentist one time while he was working on somebody and I was sitting in the dental chair next to him, filling out the form of the things that he needed. <laughs> you know, you had these 
weird situations that would arise, but I learned how to talk to lawyers and dentists and secretaries and business owners, CEOs, and everybody. That is boot camp for sales guys, sales. door to door. Totally, totally is. In fact, if somebody told me today, hey, I'd like to get into sales, what should I do? I would tell them to go do that because I think a year of door to door you know, sales and anything is more valuable than just about any right. schooling you could take or anything like that. And I tell people this all the time. I'm really glad I went door to door. And there's a story I can tell in a minute that, that kind of captures that. But here's what I say to people. Doing door to door sales is a lot like boot camp in the sense that everybody that goes to boot camp tells you two things. They're glad they went. They hope they never have to go back. Those are the kind of the two things I think about door to door. I'm really glad I did it. I hope I never have to go back and do that again. It was it was right. pretty tough. But I captured, you know, the moment that it came clear to me how valuable door to door supplies was is that after that job, I had the opportunity to work with DAT Solutions in Portland. I had a recruiter that just happened oh. to Janice Compton, the uh, inside sales. That's a nice place there. to work. And so I had the opportunity to work there first. And so imagine for a minute, I, I'm in Portland, Oregon. I go from door to door office supply sales in the rain in Portland, Oregon, going business to business, wearing a suit. Now I'm sitting in an office looking outside at the rain and people are calling us because they know who DAT is. I mean, if you if you buy a truck or if you start a brokerage, your first or second call is going to be DAT or right. board to get set up. And so we had inbound leads. And I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this is so easy. And I, I did really well. I ramped up very, very quickly. And after my fifth month, I was the top rep at DAT. And I remember one day at lunch, a friend of mine came to me and he goes, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm eating lunch. He goes, no, no, no. What are you doing to sell so many people? And I said, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, because my first thought was, this isn't that hard. I said, I said, listen, it's not like we're, you know, walking into their business for the first time and meeting them on the spot. And you right. have to sell them today because you're not coming back tomorrow. And, you know, it's raining outside. And as I'm telling him this story, you could just tell like there was a gloss or glaze over his eyes. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And I said, that's what I was doing. Like, all you got to do is, you know, introduce yourself, make friends ask them what they want, try to upsell them, ask them what credit card they want. This is not hard. And that was when it crystallized to me the value of going door to door because every other right. sales job from that point on has really been significantly easier. So I'm really I'm really happy I did that. Right. My, my uh, Nick Dangles over at <laughs> yeah, uh, Nick. Our, our buddy at Kinetic, he, he was a lawyer and he decided he wanted to get into, he wanted to get out of law and he did a door to door. He said, he goes, people thought I was yeah. crazy because I was working as a lawyer and now all of a sudden I'm doing door-to-door -door sales. And I was teasing yeah. about it being a very glamorous job. And then <laughs> my good friend, Steve Elwell, who's also been on the podcast, after he got his MBA, came out thinking, oh, I'm an MBA now, right? So I'm, you know, the world on the platter. Couldn't find a job, ended up doing door-to-door. -door. And both of them, to your point, would say, glad I did it. Don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> that is truly <laughs> so a boot camp story. <laughs> it's so. so true. And you know, every great salesperson that I've I've met has a story like that where they did something. They were a call center. They were going door to door residential. It was something like that where they were, you know, learning. You know, really cutting their teeth and learning the ropes. And um, it really is valuable. You learn learn a lot in those experiences. I would also say that having that background in education, you know, it helps because a lot of sales you are communicating. Oh, and you're also and educating them on what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, my master's exactly in education. Right. Mine's geared more towards consulting and training adults, but um, I'm, I'm always glad I got that degree. So, yeah, there's definitely a crossover in that for sure. When did you join Lean Solutions Group? I joined Lean about a year ago. It was last summer, towards the middle of the summer, and had the opportunity to connect with them. I was doing some stuff on my own, some consulting work, and I'd known David and Robert for years. In fact, I'd, I'd watched them grow the company. I met Robert back in 2015. Yeah, you got a pretty good view at that. 
<laughs> that and other places that I'd been, I'd seen that. I, I've always been in logistics. I've been, uh, you know, Port TMS and Trucker Tools. So I, I'd been in this space and, you know, seen them at all right. the trade shows. And I remember in 2015, I met Robert and he was telling me about this idea of satellite offices in Colombia, that people are going to do that. And I remember looking at him going, gosh, I don't think that's going to work. Like my first <laughs> thought was, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure, but I couldn't have been more wrong. And they've done a great job of, of growing the company. And so last summer, you know, I, I was available. And uh, so David reached out and we had a great conversation. And, you know, we've been friends for a long time. And they were looking for somebody who could, you know, jump into some leadership roles from lean sales and, and just sales in general, as well as some, you know, brand ambassadorship stuff, podcasting and media appearances and things like that. And so it just worked out for me and for them at the same time. And it was very exciting to, to jump in. And I have to say the last 14 months or so, 13 months, whatever it's been, has really been probably the highlight of my professional career outside of teaching. I feel like I've had a chance to grow and to learn quite a bit. Well, you had no choice. Tremendous people. <laughs> I work with, I tell people this all the time, our sales team is the best sales team in the industry, or maybe even just in, in, in general, because they're young, they're hungry, they're very motivated, but the, the, the best attribute that they have is they're coachable. So it's been a lot of fun to work with, you know, the guys like Nick Strober, Ryan Bell, Hunter Bell, those guys that have been there a long time, especially our new guys as well. It's just been, it's been incredible. Our team down at Columbia Lean Sales is phenomenal. Great leadership, young energy, and, and all just all working towards this common goal of how do we grow this company? How do we, how do we build the ship in the middle of the ocean that keeps getting bigger and bigger? You know? Right. Right. It's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you jumped onto a rocket ship because your company's growing like a weed, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Today's topic was the fastest growing logistics company. So I, when I reached out to you last week, you're like, yes, this is right. My sweet spot. We're seeing it. And yeah. so every year Inc magazine puts out their list of the 5,000 fastest growing companies. And of course your company's on there, but I thought, so I was looking and I saw an article on freight waves and it said 199, 199 logistics companies made the list. And I, and when I mentioned it to you, you said, yeah, I know, because we work with a, <laughs> a lot of chunk of them. <laughs> right. And I honestly, do. this is not just saying this to be nice. Nobody has more insights into logistics companies in the U.S. than you guys, because you work with so many of them. So first off, let's talk about how many do you work with? How many, how many, of those, how many logistics companies do you work with in the United States? Yeah, so our, our current customer base is about 335, and on the logistics side, it's close to about 290 are logistics and transportation focused. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. And while we're talking about that, Lean made this list for the third year in a row, right? That's correct. Yeah, we did. So what number were you guys? Uh, this year, we were 459, I believe. Um, last year, I think we were 347. So it's been nice to be in the top 500 for three straight years. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's hard, it gets harder every year to make the list because you're that much bigger. I mean, so it's one thing to grow your Correct. company from, you know, one to 10, then growing it from 10 to 20 right. is a lot harder. So yeah, that's, well, that's fantastic. On, certainly on lists like this, I think when you see consistency, that's, that's really kind of a, a, a highlight or a, or a mark to note is when you see companies right. every year, year after year doing it, that that's really good. Cause if you have one good year, that's great. But if you have three, four, five good years, that's really a game changer. <laughs> right. So, well, let's just, how many, how many employees have you got, do you guys have now? Uh, we're right around 5,000 now. Jeez, yeah, and this Pete. time last year, we were about, this time last year, probably close to 1,500. That's what I was going to say. So when I first, uh, the first time I interviewed somebody from Lean on my podcast, might have been Roberto. And I remember he said, I think he said 1,200. And then it was like 1,200 or 1,500, something like that. And then the next yeah. time I heard it was like, we have 
almost 3,000. And then when you said today 5,000, I was like, yeah, you are on that list of the fastest growing companies. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been quite the ride. That's for sure. So let's talk about these companies. And again, we're not going to be, there's so many on there. There's 199. It speaks to the um, importance of our sector and the innovation in our Mm -hmm. sector. I mean, that's crazy that there's that many companies. What's that? 4% of the list is logistics companies. So what, why is that? What's going on with that? Well, I think, you know, this past year in particular, you know, we really had the perfect storm of, you know, the, the, the problems with supply chain, but also people having money and sitting home ordering things. We started to see this stress and pressure right. on the supply chain in ways that I don't know that we've seen, at least not in my time in the industry, I haven't right. seen this type of stress and pressure. And what it did was it really caused companies who are doing things well and doing the right things, they've grown because people needed somebody that knew what they were doing. And so you see companies like, you know, Molo, who grew significantly. I think they were number 41 on the list, the top logistics company on the list. You saw them grow because of the way that they approached customer service and how they how they helped customers out. And you saw a lot of consolidation. We saw probably more acquisitions in the industry, big acquisitions and or partnerships in the industry this year than ever before. And that's all you know, bringing more and more freight into a centralized spot. And so you saw this massive growth by companies that uh, were doing the right things. And you know, when you're right. doing the right thing and the opportunity presents itself, that's what should happen. And so right. we saw that over and over in abundance. A lot of companies that were doing the right things. And so their customer base grew, their volumes grew, you know, margins are growing. And so just all right. in all, it was kind of that perfect storm of, of situation and, and companies being prepared for that. Yep. And I, I would say also, you know, the, the companies on the list, and we'll get into a few of them. You just mentioned Molo at number 41. A lot of these companies are tech centric and a lot of them have VC money behind them. So you know, there's been companies that might have been a little freight broker somewhere and done well, and they probably had a pretty good year this last year or so, last 18 months, but they, did, they didn't have that uh, VC money that tends to turbocharge the, uh, <laughs> the growth, right? Right, right. Well, there, there's two sides of that. I mean, everybody made money this last year in, in, the, in, the, in the freight brokerage space in particular, which is a good thing because what it does is it actually gives companies who maybe didn't have the opportunity to improve their technology, gives them a chance to do that. So you're right. going to see a lot of companies really improve their technology in the next two to three years because of a year like this year, which is which is great. And then, of course, the ones that just have more fuel in the fire, you know, the ones that do have you know VC money involved, it just expedites the process that much more for not only technology and processes and growth, but also human resources, human capital, all the things that go into that. Right, right. So what are some of the... Well, rather than going the 199 companies, uh, by the way, I'll put... I'll put the article that the, the folks over at Freight Waves wrote. It's a good article. I'll put that in the show notes and I'll go yeah. find that Inc. article and I'll put that in there also. But what are some of the companies that you work with, Lean works with, that are on that list? Yeah. So, I mean, you see companies like Arrive Logistics is one of our customers. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, growing like crazy and just doing a lot of really great things. You know, what Matt Pye and his team have done has been really awesome. So, you know, work with them. They are uh, supposed to be on my podcast. It hasn't happened just yet. <laughs> we've, we've scheduled it. It just never happens. I'm sure you'll get them at some point. Yep. Not a problem like that. You know, companies like Carrier Direct out of Chicago who are doing a lot of great work from the consulting. They're on my podcast. With companies in logistics. <laughs> um, you know, Peter and, and the guys over there, you know, Ryan Schreiber, a good friend of mine, and Robert Bain doing some good work over there. We work with companies out of Atlanta like CL Services and you know, a smaller outfit. So Stored is down it. there, right? You work with Stored? Stored is down there. That's correct. You know, working with them. Um, you know, we work with Freightways or one of our customers, you know, Edge Logistics in Chicago, you know, Kenicha Logistics, a great, a great company. I just had you know, Christy on last week. Yeah. She was a fantastic interview. 
She's and by the way, I had the store guys on and Carrier Direct too. And yeah, yeah. When you talk to Christy Knitchell, you understand why their company is so successful. I mean, yes. she's phenomenal, great leadership, wonderful family owned business that's just absolutely blowing up. And so really excited to be working with them. You know, it's been it's fun to see their growth and just to see them continue to achieve. We also work with companies like OTR Capital that's doing great things in the in the um, uh, financial space, uh, factoring side of things. As I well. got to get them on here. You know, in NFI Industries, Sunset Transportation right here in St. Louis, uh, you know, Lindsay, Lindsay Williams Graves, she's phenomenal. Great leader. She's the new CEO of Sunset. Family-owned business again. She's been there a long time. but just got promoted. And those guys, John Sutton, all my friends over there, just a great company. So there's several that, that we've been able to watch them and be a part of their journey, watch them grow, watch them uh, continue to achieve and excel. And I think the biggest thing that we see across the board among all these companies is great vision and great leadership. You know, they have a big vision to move forward and they have really great leadership at the top that allows to facilitate that vision and to uh, manage that growth, which is challenging. Growth in general is difficult to, 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 to manage and they do a great job. Well, you guys not only are growing rapidly, but you work with, again, 290 logistics companies. So you have a unique mm -hmm. perspective on what it takes and definitely technology. And I think all those companies, a lot of them, you look at stored, obviously a tech-centric company, but companies like Kinishal, they're growing fast. And you've mentioned some of these other family-owned businesses, they're growing fast. It's not just the mm -hmm. technology, as you said, it's the vision, but it's also, well, and this kind of brings us to what you guys do and how, I mean, I think I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of these companies work with lean. They're doing, you guys are a great resource and talk a little bit about, you know, how you're helping these companies get to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when we talk about what we offer and why it makes sense for, for companies, I often ask this question, you know, how much time and money are you spending building your team? You know, and, and you got to think about it from the, from the very start. So if you start with recruiting, you know, it takes a lot of time to build a, you know, a, a job description or a job post and to, to post that onto a website and get back resumes, sort through those resumes, decide which ones you actually want to spend time with and which ones you don't. Those things all take time. Scheduling interviews. And most of the time when you're working internally, you don't want to interview somebody just once. You want to interview them two or three times because you want multiple perspectives. So you're scheduling two or three interviews and talking about them and evaluating, okay, which one should we go with? And then once you do decide to hire somebody, then you have the onboarding, you have the extra office space, you got to deal with getting equipment to them. There's all those things that go into it. And people don't think about all of that. Instead of finding a partner who would do 90% of that for you. So when right. customers look at what we do for them and why it makes the most sense, you know, you just think about, we present great candidates that we've already screened. You know, we present, you know, the, the type of of uh, we do all the legwork, you know, we evaluate their skills. We present them based upon what you're looking for. So it's not just a random person, somebody who really potentially fits. And we've done a lot of the screening on our side. We do all that work. Once they are, you know, once you have the interview, you probably feel much better about it because we've already interviewed them. We've already screened them. So it right. does only take one interview as opposed to two or three. Um, so we cut down the time there. When it comes to onboarding, we take care of getting their equipment set up and their office space set up. And we work with their IT teams to get their email and all those types of things as well. So you get this partner who's an expert, who really knows the process, who has it streamlined. And then once the engagement begins, that's not where our services end. You actually have a partner with you during the engagement. You have an account manager down in Columbia who's working with your team and with you to make right. sure everything is going well. You got a quality assurance team that's making sure KPIs are being hit. Our HR team handles any of the HR issues that that, that employee has, like payroll taxes and benefits and other things like that. And so really, you know, from an, when you think of the word outsourcing, the reason you do it is one, there is a cost savings, which is usually nice, not always, but usually. 
But two, it's the expertise, it's the quality, right. it's the value of what you get. And that's why customers are you know, realizing what we do and saying, yeah, this makes perfect sense. And what we try to do that really works is we try to get customers and prospects to come down to Columbia. And this is really big. If a prospect's kind of like, I don't know, I'm not sure. We're like, come down, come see it. I mean, what better place is there to go to evaluate something than Columbia? So come on down. <laughs> they get to see all the operations in place to see our facilities and our, our team, meet our managers. And that's where that light bulb goes off of, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Right. I should do this. And that's that's what we've benefited over the years. And now it's really starting to become more of a flywheel, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's it's no coincidence that there's a 290 logistics company, including, you know, dozens from the, the, the list of the fastest growing logistics mm-hmm. company. Again, and we have and I wouldn't even mention some of the biggest ones, you know, like XPO and Echo and Global Trans and some of those that we work with as well that aren't on this list because of the growth, but they're huge. They're big companies. Right. So we have, you know, 11 publicly traded companies that we work with as well. <laughs> yeah. So it. And, and again, I can speak from my own experience. This this podcast that you're all listening to was is produced by Lean, my my, my person who reports to me through at Lean. And hiring was easy for me. It was very easy because it was like you found great people, and I interviewed them. And each one, I thought to myself, "Oh my God, they're all going to speak Spanish." And I and each one had lived in the United States, and each one had experience that was in logistics a lot of them and i was like this is crazy i mean it, it really is a, a fantastic opportunity for companies because you mentioned the whole hassle of of vetting people then interviewing them you know it's it, it's weeks and months sometimes to hire especially in this market and it was a snap when i did right, it with lean right. and easy and I, i'm yeah. very happy you know great employees to work with and, and again, imagine that's real what's... quick, like imagine if you need to bring on 10 track and trace specialists because you just bought on a brand new account that, you know, has, you know, 500 loads a week right. that you're managing. How long would it take you to hire 10 people and train them right. to do the job? You know, we're able to also come to market much faster. You know, the speed to scale is significantly right. better. And to touch on your point about Columbia real quick, the reason why it makes so much sense is that not every candidate that we offer has lived in America, but many have. But right. the culture is so much similar. A lot of them have spent time here, went to college here, have family here. They follow the sports culture here. And Colombia as a country is much more like the United States than probably any Latin American country from a political right. standpoint and an economic standpoint. Yeah. And, and you know, we talked about this when we were prepping for how many people around the United States now speak Spanish too. So it's not as if like yeah. there's a, a huge disconnect, right? We yeah. understand these countries pretty well. I mean, we understand Colombia pretty well. And... um you know, it, it's interesting. As soon as you say outsourcing, and I'm from Detroit, so God, when you we started outsourcing things in the 70s, and it was such like a visceral knee-jerk reaction, like, oh my God, you're sending this to low-cost countries. And sometimes that was the motivation. You say, yeah, we, we saved a lot of money by sending it to some low-cost country. But over time, it became certain countries had expertise that we didn't have in the same amount right. here. China does things right now. I think Mexico probably does some things that we don't do domestically anymore. And so the expertise is there. It's not just right. low cost. I mean, right. if there's if there's savings, it's great, but it, it can't be all about the savings. It's got to be right. about well, you, getting what you need. You think about in transportation. I mean, a freight broker is an outsourced transportation management right. partner. I mean, that's what they are. You know, the reason why a, a manufacturer uses a freight broker is for the expertise some cost savings, of course, but it's really the expertise, the value that they bring. And, you know, that's the same for us. It's the value and the quality. If we save people money, which everybody does pretty much, but if we do, that's great. But what we really want to let people know is the value and the quality of our product. That's the reason why people, you know, come right. to us. And that's why they stick with us. 
Right. And you know, it, it's just the way of the world. If you can find, if you can find some underused asset and make, and make the most of it, that's fantastic. So anyway, getting back to that list, that list, no doubt tech, they're, they're into technology. And so are you guys. It's not just outsourcing. You guys do quite a bit of technology. Talk about that and how you're helping these companies make that transition to the, the high tech business that we're in. Yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, you know, a lot of our, the, the meat of what we do is, you know, uh, more labor for like track and trace and POD retrieval and data entry and stuff like that, sales. That, that's what we do. But, but tech's a huge component of that because companies are trying to push the limits of what they can do from a technology perspective. So our lean tech division is helping in numerous ways. We do some project based stuff. So if somebody's looking to have some integrations done, you know, we can do that for them and, and they don't have to waste their priority or resources of their internal team on that. So we do integrations, we do middleware and other types of projects, building apps, that kind of stuff. But we also have dedicated developers in Colombia who are dedicated to teams in the States to augment their, their staff, which is really great because it, it helps them to grow their team. It's in the same time zone. That's a really big benefit. So right. they can work together with the team in the States and they can then change their priority levels. So if something's super high priority, they can put more people on it. If something drops lower, they can either just put it with a different group or whatever they want to do. But it just gives tech teams much more flexibility and they're able to move a lot faster and get things done at a much higher rate, which is critical, especially for large companies like a P44 or somebody who, you know, they're pushing technology to the limits they're buying up companies all across the, the globe and just growing like crazy. Jet and his team, what they're doing over there has been phenomenal. And so to be able to move at the speed with which they're moving, you know, companies like that need need a, a bigger tech force, you know, so it's right. really, really valuable to have that. Yeah. And it's interesting. I did a podcast on that robotic process automation, which I thought was just, I mean, it was eye-opening to me that, so if you're getting a lot of emails that are just saying, uh, maybe they're track and trace, or maybe they're, uh, get, I want to quote Where's my and, stuff? Yeah, where's stuff my like stuff? That. Where's my stuff? How much will it cost? You guys can you can automate that process. So it's taking it out of an email, putting it into a, a system, and and executing it. So when you hear people talk about automation, that that automation is happening right now. Mm -hmm. And and you know you yeah. think of you think of that kind of thing and go, oh well, yeah, that's only the that's only the the tech centric, that's the load smarts. That's the, you know, companies like that, that are tech focused, but you guys can do it for mom and pa. That's right. And, and I would say that there's a case to be made that it's even more important for the smaller ones. Oh yeah. Because some of those tasks that are just, you know, time consuming tasks that really have, you know, they're lower in the, on the urgency scale, but they're still important can be, can be automated. You know, a lot yeah. of that stuff can be automated to where it just removes a lot of time off your plate, especially if you're smaller. When I was still managing a little 3PL, one of the challenges we had was we couldn't get everyone to use our system. And you had valued customers that would just decide, I'm going to send you an email. And right. that's, that, look, you know, you're, yeah. nobody's kicking customers to the curb because they won't use the, uh, well, somebody is, but I wouldn't. <laughs> so especially right. when you have RPA and go, yep, you go ahead, send me all the emails you want. And we'll, it'll seem as if it came back as here's the quote from me, but it actually is the system. So yeah. Well, RPA is big, but another thing that's really become huge is chatbots because they're very intuitive, you know, with artificial intelligence and machine learning where, you know, if you have a chatbot on your, uh, on your homepage, for example, they can, they can go in there and say, Hey, I'd like to know where my stuff is. And then they, they can get that information back almost like as if you're calling and putting in your load I number. I did and not all know that. that. So chatbots are becoming really big as well. And again, that can be put onto any website or any application as a way to be the first point of customer service. And then if for whatever reason it doesn't satisfy, then they can 
notify and have a human reach out. So now, I, I seem to remember the RPA having a payback of like a month <laughs> for a lot of companies. How about the chatbots? Um, I don't know that I have data around that, but it's, it's, it's the same type of idea because you're eliminating the need for human interaction to provide information that you know, customers are looking for and can solve problems. And obviously, the more times it solves the problem correctly, the smarter it gets about what, you know, what it heard and what it did. And so, again, the whole idea of machine learning and artificial intelligence is becoming huge into these different types of applications. And they're all huge time savers and they're not that costly. That's the thing that you know, people don't understand is that some of these things like a chatbot and, and RPA is not terribly costly, but it's huge in terms of a return. Oh, yeah. And also, Trey, if, you know, everybody's looking for good talent. So if you decide, hey, I'm going to have some of my talent down in Columbia managed by Lean, that's great. But you might have to say, yeah, I've got other people in the office. Nobody wants to do that, that routine, mundane, I answer the same damn email right. 30 times a week. Yeah. Let, let the robot do that and let your, let your employees be humans and call and talk to your customers and grow accounts and explain why, you know, there might have explain a way to whatever problem, you know, unfortunately, even with technology, we still have problems to explain. Okay. So let the humans do the human right. work. Let the technology and automation do the, the hard, heavy lifting. That's right. And one of the things that's kind of a myth about technology is that the more technology you have, the less people that you need. And that's actually, we're seeing it the opposite. We're seeing that companies that are high on tech are also high on labor, but the, the type of work is different. They're able to do more high leverage activities, like you said, more revenue generating or customer centric, which does right. two things. It makes your company better, more profitable, but two, it makes the employee more, more satisfied, you know, because they're doing something that's right. actually meaningful. They're solving problems. They're working with customers. They're doing things that are much more high leverage. And that's, uh, that makes them much more satisfied. You know, over the last 10, 15 years, we've had so much technology and automation come in and take away certain aspects of this business. But that work was often, yep, I take stuff out of that and I put it into an Excel spreadsheet and I send it to my customer and, and then they upload it into something. And you go, yeah, that's great. That job's probably gone now, but that person, they probably move somewhere higher in the food chain. They're not sitting there doing clerk work, which is not a bad way to start, but it's not what you want to do for your career. Right. Right. And I think about, you know, like we, we do a lot of traveling in our industry. And so I can book my entire trip without talking to one human because the technology allows that. I can book my flight, my car, my hotel, I can get meals delivered and I don't have to talk to one person. So it's definitely changed. But what it's done is it's just put the human labor in different aspects of the business in a more right. high leverage situation. So again, guys, what we'll, we'll do is I'll put all those that that list and I, I I like the article from Freightways. I'll put that in the show notes. I'll also put the Inc. Five Thousand in the show notes and um, a link to Trey so you can bother him on LinkedIn. He's happy to be bothered with new customers. And I also put Lean's website on here. And Trey, before you go, tell us a little bit about who you guys serve and what you do for these companies. Yeah, so the majority of our customer base, as we've already discussed, is transportation and logistics. We started, you know, working with freight forwarders and and freight brokers and drage companies, and that was the the meat and, and still is kind of the bread and butter of what we do. Our offering is really expanded now. We work with just about every sector within transportation. We work with ocean, air, cargo, exports, imports, truckloads, specialized LTL. All, all different facets of, uh, of logistics. We work with some manufacturers now, which is great. We work with carriers as well. And our offering is really simple. You know, if there's somebody that can do a job from their home, 
and they can do it from Colombia. If they can do it from a satellite office, they can do it from Colombia. And we've really figured out, you know, all the different aspects of the transportation and we're open to new ones as well. There may be some jobs we're not covering yet, but we've been able to figure all those out pretty, pretty quickly. All the entire solution set starts with, you know, back office, you know, back office, like paperwork, data entry, PLD retrieval, you know, carrier sales is a new one that we do, which is really taken off helping to actually book trucks and negotiate rates with carriers, track and trace, of course, a lot of accounting positions, ARAP, freight forwarding positions we have now, and a lot of customs and uh, that type of work. We have a lot of financial services now for factoring companies and things like that. So that's on the lean staffing side. We have the lean tech side, which is the developer side and or project-based you know, management uh, side of our business. We have lean sales, which now helps companies to grow their revenue, top of the funnel type of work of lead generation and appointment scheduling, and even full sales. We've got customers who are now hiring their sales professionals in Colombia. Like that's their sales team. It's not that they're hiring people to set up their sales team. Like that's become their sales team doing full sales. And that's going really well. And then we also have lean marketing, which is probably our least talked about, but one of our most um, incredible divisions, like you talked about, your podcast is produced by somebody in Colombia. My podcast, Bathrooms and Bunkers, is produced by our team. Right. In Columbia, oh, I'll put phenomenal. a link to that. I'll put a link to that too. And so they, they really do incredible work. They do rebranding, new logos, websites, uh, all those kind of deliverables, SEO optimization, copywriting, just graphic design, all that, that that's there. And it's, it's agency style as well as staffing. So you can hire a graphic designer who works dedicated with your team. Or you can hire Lean as an agency and we'll just do 20 hours worth of work a month, 40 hours worth of work, whatever you need, and accomplish that for you on an agency style offering. So our offering has become very broad. Our customer base has started to expand outside of transportation. But of course, you know, this is our this is our, our niche, this is our industry and uh, our bread and butter, what we do. Yeah, that's fantastic. And again, at a certain point, you know, again, we it all started with, hey, we can save a little bit of money and make hiring easier. But at this point, you guys are kind of a, a logistics juggernaut in your own right with 5,000 people down there. And in a way, because of your viewpoint, your unique view of the industry, you started off doing operations and now you're in marketing, now you're in sales and technology. It moved from, hey, we can save you a few bucks to let me run your back office, let me run your sales, let me run your marketing. Let me do yeah. some tech with you. It's really or about just providing. be a great partner. I mean, they, yeah. they don't necessarily have to run it. It's about providing great talent and we don't run it. I mean, our customers, they manage their teams directly. I mean, that's the great thing about our model is that they fully integrate their team with their U.S. team. And that's how that's the model that really works. But it just it's spurred out of, you know, we're working with customers and they're saying, hey, could you, you think you could help us on the sales side? And we're like, well, I don't know. Well, let's try it. Let's figure it out. And so <laughs> it really kind of came out of all that. The tech side was, hey, can you help us with integrations? Can you help us with, you know, making the cloud easier to use, for example? So it birthed out of customers' requests. And we just decided to tackle it and make it possible. So now we're we're pretty much a full service offering for our customers on whatever they need. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And again, I think the the numbers speak for themselves. Your growth, not only your growth, but also that you're working with 290 logistics companies, a number of them top 10, and you're working with dozens of the top 199 fastest growing logistics companies. It speaks to, it works. <laughs> it does. It's been quite a ride. We're very excited about it. So what I'll do, I'll put a link to, what's your podcast again? Bathrooms and Bunkers. <laughs> and what do you guys talk about in there? So Bathrooms and Bunkers is a podcast to tell stories of excellence from incredible people around the globe. It's our, our one podcast that's not transportation specific. So it's really just about you know exposing incredible people that you might not hear uh, from otherwise. For example, um, one, of, one of my good friends and health coach, Kevin Tenters, he's our first guest. He's a phenomenal guy. Him and his wife have a 
great business helping people really achieve in life. Uh, our second guest was uh, Jared Wolf. We just got his PGA Tour card this last week. So um, he's going to be playing on the PGA Tour next year. He wears our logo on his chest and just a really good guy. Nice. My my former college basketball coach, not the one who swatted. This is my my uh, my college coach, Larry Larry Holly, who won over 900 games as well in his own right. He's one of the top 15 Whoa. winningest college basketball coaches in any division. So he's up there with Dean Smith and Mike Shashevsky in terms of numbers of wins. He was our last podcast guest. We had Ann Rinky on that as well. So summer, summer. Oh, I had her on my podcast. Yeah, she was so wonderful. She's from incredible. TIA. Uh huh. That's right. And so we have some in the industry, but really it's just about amazing people. We've got some really cool guests coming up here on the show. We had a couple of former NFL football players, Marcus Ogden and Verna Fox, who they were wonderful to interview and talked about their experiences and football and transitioning to business afterwards. And so again, it's just all about telling stories of excellence from incredible people around the globe. And again, it's called Bathrooms and Bunkers, and we talk about why it's that called that in the show. So we'll we'll say that <laughs> mystery and suspense for uh, for them to watch. Trey, I'll put a link to your podcast in the show notes too, along awesome. with a link to your LinkedIn profile and a link to the Lean site. And again, guys, I uh, I can endorse what they're doing at Lean. I've I've really enjoyed working with them. They're a super partner to have. And again, they're bringing much more than cost savings, much more than just uh, you know headcount. So. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Trey. Yeah, thank you, Joe. It's always good to talk to you. It's a pleasure to uh, to be here with your audience. And uh, and congratulations on all you're doing as well. It's just great to see you continue, continue to push out great content, great guests. And I'm just honored to be one of them. Thank you. I'll tell you, the, the name of the game is uh, finding good guests and trying not to say stupid stuff. And if I do say <laughs> stupid stuff, I ask Natalie to cut it out. See, that's yeah, that's right. You get the, post, the post-production work there. So you're, you're safe. Makes me sound a lot better than I am. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks so much, Trey. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.